What is? What is? What is? What is biblical counseling? Biblical counseling will grow you from brokenness to wholeness. The light bulbs are going off in my head. <laughs> this is like deep. I just haven't thought of it that way. It's mind blowing to me. I don't know if I've ever had anybody put it that plainly to me before. All this time I've been going to church, this never resonated with me. This is Transformed. And now your host, Assistant Professor of Biblical Counseling at the Masters University and Certified Biblical Counselor, Dr. Greg Gifford. Welcome back to Transformed. My name is Dr. Greg Gifford, and I have the privilege of being your host. And we've been talking about peacemaking. I hope at this point you've even had a couple of opportunities over the past few weeks to apply what you've learned throughout this show. Uh, The reality is that all of us are embedded in relationships. So we all must employ a level of peacemaking skills. So in order for us to love others uh, and express our love for the Lord, it entails a level of being a peacemaker. So here's what we've said so far. And maybe you've remembered these, maybe you've written these down, maybe some of these are scarred into your brain at this point. I said, first of all, we don't have to avoid conflict because in conflict, we can glorify the Lord. Not only can we glorify the Lord, but that is the motivation of our resolving of conflict. Number two, be willing to get the log out of your own eye. Recognize any action or attitude that you're doing that's contributing to this conflict. So remember, humble people resolve conflict. Prideful people make conflict worse. Number three, and this is what I've spent the last two episodes talking through, is the idea of going and showing or gently restoring, depending on which version of Ken Sandy's book you use. But the idea of confrontation, when do we know we need to say something and when should we overlook something and just be merciful? Remember, transformed.org, we have a store there that's available to you. And the Peacemaker by Ken Sandy is in that store. And so I highly encourage you guys, skip a meal if you have to and go buy that book because that book is so valuable. When you pick it up, it's going to be a little bit longer. I think it's almost 300 pages, but you don't have to read it all at once. Just skim through the different parts because most of the things that I'm sharing with you, these principles are at least adapted from The Peacemaker by Ken Sandy. So this brings us to our last principle for being good peacemakers. And this last principle is to go and be reconciled. When we work through conflict, there is a point we get to where we want to cancel the debt, remove whatever is hindering our relationship, and continue forward in reconciliation. Reconciliation is the goal. Restoration is the goal. So if you have a Bible, open it up. Let's go to Galatians to start with. I'd like to show you something in Galatians 6. Galatians 6 verse 1 says, If anyone is caught in any transgression, You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he's something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. You see, this idea of confrontation in verse 1 is actually couched in the language of restoration at the end of verse 1. If you've been exposed to the sins of someone else, you who are spiritual, that's you who are bearing the fruit of the Spirit, You should go and restore that person. Restoration is the goal. When we think of 
conflict resolution. Resolution means restoration and ideally reconciliation. It doesn't mean that we've simply expressed our opinions or our perspectives or even aired the hurt that we have faced. Rather, it means that we're doing our best to go back to the relationship that we had before this conflict started. So here is, here's practically how we want to think through these steps. After a person has come to us and said, you know what, you remember the, the male lady story that I shared with you guys last episode? She comes to me and says, hey, this is not right. You should not do it that way. Then I need to humble myself and say, you know what, you're right. If this is a sin that I have committed, then I need to be willing to repent of that and to own that. And once I say something like, you know, I'm sorry, I was being inconsiderate when I said that, and I know that word is hurtful to you, would you please forgive me? I am asking for you to cancel the debt that I created. Forgiveness is about canceling relational debts. So take your Bible again, and let's go over to Luke. When I say that forgiveness is about canceling relational debts, I know there are material debts that can happen at times through our own sins against each other. And by a material debt, I just mean maybe we've cost a person something, money, time, resources. We've damaged their property in some way. And and so, yes, there are material debts that we create. Oftentimes, those are easier to restore than relational debts that we create. I can pay that back, but a relational debt at times is much more difficult because it's not as easy as me taking it to the paint shop and painting it. When we are seeking to cancel debts, many times we're not talking about a material debt, we're talking about a relational debt. There's no money that can restore what has taken place in the relationship. So look at verse, uh, I haven't told you the chapter yet. Yeah, sorry, go to Luke 17. Sorry, guys. Luke 17, and then once you get there, let's go to verse 3. All right, pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. You might be familiar with this story. Jesus is warning about the danger of encouraging another person to sin at the beginning of chapter 17. Woe to those who provide a temptation to sin or a stumbling block. There's a great accountability that comes with that. If you're enticing a person to sin, you will give an account of that before the Lord. Then he says, pay attention. If your brother sins against you and says, I repent, you actually have a duty and a Christian obligation to forgive them. It is a matter of obedience before the Lord to offer a cancellation of a relational debt, i.e. forgiveness. In Matthew 18, we have a warning that's given. The warning is that if you do not forgive others the way your master has forgiven you, then neither God will forgive you. As you're hearing that, I don't want you to let that take you to, okay, I believe in conditional security and I can lose my salvation. No, we know in John 10 and in other places that you are eternally secure, but your fellowship with the Lord is disrupted when you harbor sin. We know that. 
So when you see passages like Matthew 18 or the Lord's Prayer, where Jesus reiterates over and over, if you don't forgive others, then God will not forgive you. I don't want you to interpret that as, oh no, I will lose my salvation and my standing in Christ. I want you to interpret that as my fellowship with the Lord is disrupted because you're commanded to forgive. Now turn over to Ephesians 4. You have to know this one. You have to know that if you're not familiar with this one, then you have to highlight it in your Bible. You have to write it out. You, you have to meditate on this verse. All of us have to be familiar with this. And there's a sister passage just like it in Colossians 3. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. The Christians at Ephesus are commanded to interact with one another in a way that represents kindness, tenderheartedness, and forgiveness. Jesus says, if your brother repents, forgive him. How many times? Well, a a whole lot of times. Seven times 70? Okay. My math's not great, but at 491, do I get to say no more? Jesus is saying, as long as they're repentant, you must grant forgiveness. This is not because of how awesome they are, but because of what God in Christ has done for you. The end of verse 32 in Ephesians 4 reminds us that your forgiveness that you offer to other people is not based off of your emotions toward them. Some of us have been sent against in such embarrassing, harmful, shameful ways that we will never have warm emotions toward the person that's asking for forgiveness. Others of us have endured great inconvenience because of the sins of others, and we may never have a warm emotion toward them. Our forgiveness isn't based off of emotion. It's not based off of that individual and their uprightness. When we think of, do you deserve forgiveness? In fact, you may not deserve forgiveness. And that's part of the point. It's a cancellation of a debt, but it's an actual debt that you created. What is forgiveness based off of? It's based off what God and Christ has done for you. It's the gospel. The gospel is at the center of why we are forgiving people. A person once said that Christians should be the most forgiving people because they are the most forgiven people. Anytime we're wrestling with bitterness, listeners, you got to hear this. Anytime we're wrestling with bitterness, we must saturate ourselves with the forgiveness that we have in Christ Jesus because all of us revel in that. So Ephesians 4.32, forgive as God in Christ has forgiven you. So when, when do I forgive? Well, according to the scripture, you forgive relationally when your brother has come to you and said, I repent and I'm sorry. What I did was wrong and I know it hurt you. I am willing to confess that and to own my sins. Will you forgive me? And you may not want to. You may not desire forgiveness. You may not have the warm emotions. But Ephesians 4.32, Colossians 3.13, Matthew 18, Luke 17, they all tell us that Yeah, we need to forgive. So the answer is yes. Yes, Lord, work that in our hearts so that we actually want to do that. But yes, we do forgive you. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to discuss when we promise to forgive a person, what are we actually saying? We'll be right back. 
All right, we'll get back to Dr. Gifford in just a moment. But before we jump back in, let me take just a quick moment to highlight some of the resources that we have available at transformed.org. If you're struggling with depression, then I would highly recommend Ed Welch's book called Depression, simply titled. And Welch provides a biblical perspective on depression, and he gives some practical advice on how to fight it. One of the things that he says is depression can be a form of spiritual warfare. It can be a powerful tool the enemy uses to keep us from experiencing the joy of the Lord. If you're interested in learning more about depression, how to fight it, you're struggling with it, Ed Welch's depression is available right now at transformed.org. But hey, while you're there at transformed.org, let me make a plea to you, a plea for your support. Producing Transformed and all of our other resources takes a lot of time, takes a lot of energy, and takes a lot of resources, but we cannot do it without your help. So would you consider becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner? You can find out more information on how that might look in your life by heading over to transformed.org. And also something else that you could do to strengthen the local church would be to consider becoming a certified biblical counselor. We are in desperate need of biblical counselors in our churches and churches are in desperate need of biblical counseling ministries. And so if you've ever thought about maybe taking that path in life, I would like to encourage you to do that. And one good way to determine if that might be something that is for you is to pick up some of the resources that we have available that can help you get your journey in that regard started. We have a ton of resources available at transform.org, one of which Dr. Gifford has referenced many times in this series. It's The Peacemaker by Ken Sandy. It's a great resource for those who want to learn how to resolve conflicts biblically. One of the things Sandy says is conflicts can be an opportunity for growth. When we approach conflict with a desire to glorify God and pursue peace, we can learn valuable lessons about ourselves and about God's character. Conflict can also be an opportunity to demonstrate Christ's love to others. I would say you would want to pick this book up just as a Christian in general, but especially if you're a Christian that wants to pursue becoming a biblical counselor. It's The Peacemaker by Ken Sandy, and you can find it at transformed.org. All right, well, that's going to do it for me. We've got to get back now to Dr. Greg Gifford as he wraps up our series on conflict resolution right here on Transformed. Welcome back to Transform. The Bible would tell us that OCD is not a disorder. It is the fruit of wrong believing and wrong theology. And now your host, Dr. Greg Gifford. Okay, thanks for joining us again and tuning in. In the first segment, we were talking through forgiveness. What does it mean to forgive? How do I forgive? What is my forgiveness based off of? And remember, in the end, listener, here is the point. Your forgiveness isn't based off of you and your own strength and your feelings and the worthiness of the person you're forgiving. It's based off of God and Christ Jesus, what they have done for you in the message of the gospel. So I want to give you some practical tools that I find to be helpful when learning about forgiveness. You see, forgiveness, in the words of Jay Adams, is not a feeling first. Forgiveness is not the same thing as forgetting. And there are many times where I've, I've heard it in Hollywood, or I've even heard it in a couple of relational contexts, where a person will say, you know, I'll, I forgive them, but I'll never forget what they've done. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's not necessarily the call. We know that God is omniscient, 
and there is no sense that God forgets and does not remember the sins that we have committed. So we, we know to a certain degree that you may recall the incident, but that incident is still forgiven. So what do we mean? Well, we don't mean an emotion. Uh, we don't mean totally forgetting about it. Here are four promises that the peacemaker are going to help develop for you. And so these are going to be a framework, so to speak. In fact, in counseling, when I'm working with folks to forgive and doing peacemaking or reconciliation, I will actually ask people to memorize these four principles. So if you're at a point where you're like, man, I really need to work on this, Dr. Gifford, then I would say you need to take these principles. You can Google them. You can go to transform.org and get the book and find the four promises of forgiveness. Number one, I'm not going to dwell on the incident. Honestly, if I can be candid with you, dwelling on the incident is what most of us struggle with. When we're daydreaming, we let our thoughts begin to just kind of follow whatever comes. You'll find yourself going back to the hurt and the pain that someone else has caused you. When we let ourselves dwell on the pain of an incident, we shouldn't be surprised how anger, resentment, bitterness begin to creep back in. When we say we're not going to dwell on it, there's multiple biblical factors that undergird that. Philippians 4.8, we're going to think on things that are lovely, true, honorable. Psalm 103, we're going to not meditate on the sins of others just in the same way that God does not meditate on our sins. When we talk about this idea of not dwelling on the incident, that's an internal promise that you're making. And in fact, no one else can know except for you if you're dwelling on the incident. But I have a great way for you to ruin your day. Are you ready for it? You're going to the beach. It's going to be a lovely day. Start to meditate on all the bad things that have happened to you that day or in that week or in that month. You see, what you'll find is by dwelling on the incident, we are the ones that often suffer the most. I don't know what's going on in your mind. You don't know what's going on in my mind. So we make a promise when we forgive that we're not going to let that thing go on the replay reel of our mind. We're not going to let it continue to come up and fester. Number one, I'm not going to dwell on it. Number two, I'm not going to bring it up and use it against you. Think of this as weaponry, by the way. I'm not going to weaponize that memory and that incident and use it against you. I find for couples that in an argument, what will take place is ammunition starts to be loaded up. Weapons of warfare start to come out and things are said like this. You did this last time. You always do this. And the other spouse is like, wait a minute. Like, I thought you said you forgave me for that. And here you are chucking that spear at me. You said you forgave me for that. Why are you using that against me now? Well, in part, because I haven't forgiven you if I'm doing that. When I bring up this incident to use it against you, I'm actually not forgiving you. And it's not your fault. It's my fault. I have to forgive you. You've already asked for forgiveness. It's not your fault that I'm bringing this up and using it against you. If we're weaponizing past incidences and we're doing that for the sake of argument or the sake of making a point or shaming an individual, you must recognize that that is not what forgiveness looks like. So first promise, we're, we are personally not going to dwell on it. Second promise, we are not going to bring it up and use it against you. Third promise, we're not going to talk to others about this incident. Anyone got a prayer request? We're at our Bible studies. 
Anyone got a prayer request? Yeah, you know, um, just really struggling with someone with dark hair, about five foot eight, three kids sitting three seats away from me. I'm not going to mention any names, but uh, just really struggling. You know, if you guys could just pray with me, (laughs) if if you experience something like this where an individual goes and tells their Bible study, their best friend, their sisters, their spouse, everybody knows about the incident and you promise to forgive, but yet you have begun to, in a Christian, Christianly veneered way, go tell everybody about the incident and what has happened to you. Once you say that you have forgiven it, you need to drop it. I'm not calling mom and telling her about all the woes of what you've done to me. So don't dwell on it. Don't bring it up. Number three, don't talk to others about it. And number four, last but not least, do not let it stand between your relationship. Okay, imagine that you actually have conflict with a closer friend, someone you spend regular time with. When you promise forgiveness, your goal is that your relationship would go back to what it looked like before that conflict took place. When we forgive a debt in a relationship, it's not only realistic, but desirable to say, I want our relationship to look like what it did before this happened. And hopefully both of us have that same heart. It's like, yeah, I I do too. But it is not realistic to say, I want our relationship to be closer than what it was before this happened. So let's re-engineer some of that circumstance. If I have an acquaintance at work that just is uh, maybe having a bad day, spouts off something to me, comes to me and says, hey, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Will you forgive me? Then I'm going to say, yeah, of course, I have to forgive you. Um, No, I shouldn't say it that way. Let me rephrase that. (laughs) Of course. It would be a joy to forgive you because of what God and Christ has done for me. But I'm not necessarily planning to go out with you on my birthday because our relationship wasn't that close before this. And so it it doesn't make relational sense for us to try to be closer after this. There is a sense in which I should be able to navigate this and say, hey, whatever our relationship looked like before this incident, that's what we're trying to get back to. And if we weren't the closest of friends before, then that's not going to change now. But if we were, then yes, we should continue to pursue that type of relationship. Sometimes, and if you're a Southerner listening to this, hey, I am one of you. I was raised in Savannah, Georgia. And many times we'll say, I forgive you. Cold shoulder, iron curtain comes down and we never talk to you again. And it's like, man, this is weird. If this is what forgiveness feels like, uh, you said you forgave me and now you will not talk to me anymore. So it just kind of feels like you haven't forgiven me in that way. Yes, because this last point means that I'm not going to let this stand between us. Whatever our relationship looked like before, I need to go back and to pursue that. So don't dwell on it. Don't bring it up and weaponize it. Don't tell everyone about it. And don't let it stand between your relationship. Guys, if you're struggling with forgiveness, one of the things I would practically encourage you to do is to actually memorize some of the passages that I mentioned in the first segment. Meditate on them. Go and and actually meditate on the glory of God's forgiveness in Christ Jesus. Meditate on all the ways that you sin and God forgives you on a daily basis because that has this softening effect to be able to allow you to to grant forgiveness to people that have sinned against you. And once you've done that and you've made the promise of forgiveness to other people, the way that you advance a relationship is by doing good to them, doing that next good thing. 
bring them the coffee, invite them to go watch the game together, go play a sport together, and then invest in that relationship. And by doing good, what you'll find is that that conflict that has occurred, it slowly diminishes and it's slowly less important and it's slowly more and more distant and it's genuinely not affecting us. So on the backside, our relationship is stronger. We have forgiven each other and we're moving forward in a way that honors the Lord and honors each other. I'm going to pray for us, but I did this last episode and I'm going to do this again this episode. If you have someone in your life that, that as you listen to this, God's just kind of nudging you a little bit and saying, it's not right. You need to reconcile with them. You need to do your best to be at peace with them. Then take the next steps to go do that. Would you initiate that? I don't want you to be a hearer of the word only and not a doer. Take the steps to say, you know what, God, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to apply some of these principles in this particular relationship. I have a sister I need to call. I have a neighbor I need to talk to. I have a friend at church that I need to follow up with. Guys, take the next steps and watch how God honors his word in your life. Let me pray for you. Lord, each of us are embedded in relationships. And as the listeners hear me, I hope they know I too am embedded in relationships where I have to practice these principles and and others have to practice these principles toward me. Help us to be individuals that are willing to take steps of faith because we love you. We want to honor you in our relationships and we want our relationships to be vibrant and healthy and mutually satisfying. So bless your word as we apply it, we ask. Strengthen relationships. And for each of us that have kind of a nudge on what we need to do next, I pray that you would give us the strength by your spirit to do that and to actually go and seek peace and to seek reconciliation. May you honor that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been Transformed with Dr. Greg Gifford, a production of Gospel Partners Media. Our website, transform.org, is your central hub for finding in-depth information on all things transformed. If you've enjoyed Transformed with Dr. Greg Gifford, consider subscribing and sharing with your friends. And also prayerfully consider joining this labor of love by becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner. Thank you for listening. And until next time, go serve your your king.